Welcome to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. We talk about the intersection of parenting and technology. Everything you need to know about raising kids in the digital age. This is Parenting Bites. Um, welcome to Parenting Bites. We are recording live from Digital Kids at New York Toy Fair. I'm here at Digital Kids with Amy Oztan, SelfishMom.com. Hi, Amy. And Andrea Smith. Hello. Technology and now toy guru. Now you're a toy guru, <laughs> I've decided also. And we will have um, live interviews from Digital Kids plus our Bites of the Week. So stay tuned. All right. So we are kicking off our first segment. We are recording live at Digital Kids at New York Toy Fair. And we are here with Maria Bailey, founder of BSM Media, author of Millennial Moms, 202 Facts You Need to Know. <laughs> um, Maria is a longtime friend, yes. marketing guru, expert in moms. I think probably the forerunner in mom influencers and mom research and Boy, I don't know how you do it. All things mom. Yeah, I'm the busiest, <laughs> like the busiest person I know. Right, four flying kids. Off, four kids, <laughs> flying off to it's school. All, it's all relative. Getting all your MBA. How many different cities have you been in in the past week? Um, I've been in seven states in the last five days. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So uh, it's the first time I've left my house in five days. Literally. <laughs> yeah, you should write a book on just being a frequent flyer. Well, I actually <laughs> ship, I ship my clothes from location to location. <laughs> That's, That's brilliant. Yeah, this morning when I was wow. at Staples at 7 a.m., the lady was like, what do you need the box for? I'm like, I ship my clothes to the next destination. That's, so you, you never don't worry lose about them. losing your luggage. Well, yeah, and because I, don't, I can't do laundry in between. Yeah. So at the, like, the beginning of the month, I know where I'm going, and I'll ship my clothes to so work okay. like a that giant is like that's the best tip I ever heard because otherwise you've got a week's worth of clothes that's right. a life hack yeah. right yeah. exactly yeah. so but I always have in my suitcase the essentials so right. I always have a black belt and a brown belt and I always have my workout clothes in like my tennis I love shoes. that that's your essential yeah but you should know that Maria <laughs> has run how many marathons now 26 wow. wow I did add an essential though my son noticed yesterday he's like mom what is that jump rope? And I'm like, it's my new essential. So like the other day when it was, what, 20 below mm -hmm. in New York City, I was in the lobby of the Crown Plaza <laughs> jump roping, actually in the hallway by the elevator. And nobody took video that. of you and posted it? <laughs> no. Well, well I mean, that. who wants to see a 50-year-old like jump roping? And <laughs> I'll bet you looked yeah. great. Well, that's awesome. They were like, she's awesome. Yeah. I'm a trendsetter. <laughs> so you presented a lot of really interesting research today at Digital Kids. And I kind of want, want to dive into it a little bit because we have a big millennial mom audience. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's always interesting when you're hearing about yourself and your own trends and what you recognize in yourself. But what are your biggest takeaways from how I really think how millennial moms maybe are different from Gen X moms and definitely different than boomer moms? Yeah, you know, one of the things that I found most interesting, sometimes you'll you'll see results of a survey and it's just a number. But one that I found particularly interesting is that millennial moms, instead of calling themselves the CEO of the household, like a boomer and a Gen Xer did for years, right? CEO, household, CEO. They call themselves the COO, which tells me that they're more about the functionality of the house than it is being the manager of the house, where I think like boomers were about getting it done, right? Making the list, crossing it off. But the millennial is more about the operations and the functional. Millennial moms by nature are very pragmatic 
and um, and I think that comes out in the title that they they see themselves holding in the household. Does that still include the decision making? Oh, absolutely. What's interesting is because millennial women are pushing off marriage, and um, I mentioned this today during my speech that they would rather be great moms than good spouses. And so wow. they, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not good. Well, no, what it says actually though is, is so that they're pushing, they would rather be a great parent and it doesn't have to involve being a spouse as well. So they're pushing, they're delaying marriage because if they do it, they want to do it so well. Right. Because they actually like their childhood and they want to recreate it for their own children. That's interesting because they are, millennials are the really the children of the latest boomers, I would say, right? Like the well, youngest boomers, Well, I here's guess. the thing, too, that I started my speech off today with is that a lot of people group millennials as just one big generation. But in reality, technology has created a division in the millennials. So the 35-year-old millennial is very different than the 17-year-old millennial yeah. because, you know, a 35-year-old isn't on Snapchat and they're you know not on jib jab and vibe and you know all those other ones but um but the youngers are so the youngest millennials are actually the oldest gen x um offspring and oh, that's the, the older millennial is the boomer offspring so that's because it's interesting because gen x right has a lower divorce rate right. than boomers do so but they were also the largest population of single moms. Right. So it's like the a divorce weird... rate would go down, you know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no one's getting married anyway. Right, right. But it's an interesting thing when you talk about recreating your childhood because I think and we're Gen Xers like when I think about that, I mean all my friends' parents got divorced. Absolutely. We were total children in the 70s and 80s. Yeah, we were, were totally free and no one knew where we were any time. Latchkey right? kids. Latchkey kids, absolutely. It's when women really started entering the workforce. So you had more of a split, I think, between who had a working mom, who had a non-working mom. I think that's less true, right? We have a lot more right. moms working at home now. Right. Um, that creating their own businesses creating so their own that businesses. they can stay at home. I know that women are, right, women are the biggest owners of small business. Right. I was actually at something last week where they said, but only 3% of women small businesses have revenues of a million or more. Well, that's what's interesting. Only 2% of women-owned businesses ever get to the million dollars in sales. And um, I've, I've always shot for that 2%, but it, it's a little bit deceiving because the goals of, of a mom-owned business in particular are very different than a male-owned difference. Like we find fulfillment in creating a business that maybe allows us to take great vacations or um, pays for the kids' violin lessons or, or whatever it is, right. sometimes the fulfillment is not making a million dollars. I mean, quite honestly, sometimes that creates more chaos. Right, because yeah, they still are managing the house. Right, right? Yeah, that's that is still what's happening. me very well. I'm not the breadwinner, but my income is the fun stuff. So right. I could work a lot harder and make a lot more money and be a lot more miserable. Don't tell Omar that. <laughs> he doesn't want me to because then then I wouldn't be around to take. Well, then care you need a wife. Yeah. Right. Then you'd need to hire someone yeah, to help because be I'm your doing COO. the I'm doing the managerial stuff. I'm doing the logistics. So are you finding that millennial moms are s still like Gen X moms were? working and then also doing all the home stuff like they're still oh, doing the laundry absolutely. they're still doing this mythical 50 50 split in the oh, house no right <laughs> i mean the millennial generation actually it started with the gen x your generation 
um, where there were actual discussions prior to marriage, who's going to be the alpha earner, okay? So that started with the Gen Xers. However, um, even though you constantly hear in the media, um, oh, there's more stay-at-home dads, that number is still well below a million and a half stay-at-home dads. Wow, that's nothing. That's a good blip. However, they are, millennial dads do, are the most involved generation, and they are doing things like going to the grocery store or cooking because don't forget millennials grew up on the food network so right. <laughs> like like making dinner and you know being watching youtube videos and learning how to cook a meatloaf is something that they did as a child so cooking skills i mean certainly they've millennial dads do a lot more cooking but um but oh yeah but at the end of the day it's still the mom making the household decisions. Have you seen a difference in the amount of women working in the, outside the home in the millennial generation? What I do see different is that millennial women have redefined the definition of work. Mm. So um, let's take Amy. You're not a millennial, but you're close, okay? I'm close. You yeah. act like a millennial. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm not sure that you would, if you had a box on the Census Bureau that said millennial, I mean, um, working or non-working, you would probably check. What would you check? I, I would check working. You would? Okay. I, well, I would, but... Then you're but not really, a good example no, because but, <laughs> most people... Would, but a few years ago, I would have had a hard time deciding. Okay. It was really just in the past couple of years that I said, you know what, this is going to be a business and it's going to be serious. And probably because... As your children have gotten older, you reclaim more of your personal yes. identity. So now, you know, when your kids were in elementary school, I'm, there was so saying, much to do. Right. And you, you more, most of your identity was in being a mom and being in the home. But so when I talk to companies, I'm like, you know what? The whole stay at home, working mom, that's kind of antiquated. The lines are now, blurred. Right. Now it's at home. At home working, in home working, mm-hmm. you know, out of the home working. And, yep. and moms are kind of redefining that altogether. And Which I think is so nice that. because, you know, when I was full-time working mom, there was just two little lines. And Full-time working mom and stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. And, like, neither path would cross and darts shooting out, you know, like, yep. because the, <laughs> the mommy moms weren't the ones helping at school. Right. They didn't have time. They weren't coming in and doing cupcakes and activities. And it was horrible. Well, now it's, so, now it's a different war. Now it's, oh, you work from home. You can come in and do this. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember I joined the gym because I knew that's where all the non-working moms like went after drop-off mm-hmm. I joined the gym and purposely got on the treadmill next to them <laughs> so that I could get to know them mm-hmm. and then I would go to the office because that was the only way that I could get the mm-hmm. spots at helping right. at the Valentine's Day party right. or whatever <laughs> is you had to be one of those moms yeah. that didn't work but fortunately today yeah. today it's different it's yeah. different yeah and I do think social media has changed you know you have moms with businesses on Etsy you have moms mm-hmm. who have built these huge Pinterest files who are just who never thought they'd be doing that but right. then they were home and they were passionate or they were great cooks or they could sew or whatever mm-hmm. it was or they're crafty and I think a lot of moms, it just opened up these opportunities for them that they never thought would happen. Well, and that's another millennial quality. The, they don't fear the do-it-yourself. And their boomer moms told them they could do anything in the world, right? So they don't have a fear of starting an Etsy business or challenging themselves to, to do a crafting website or whatever. That's cool. So what do you think is sort of the overarching, if we can get really general, <laughs> which I know is not good when you've done a research thing, but the overarching 
sort of drive for a millennial mom and what they are looking at big picture wise for their family, for themselves? So um, we heard a lot about this, not in, only in our research, but for all the speakers, it's being connected with their kids. Even though their kids are connected to the screen, they still wanna be involved in some way, whether it's playing along with them, their child or having involvement in the content that their child is, is watching. Or, you know, one of the examples I used was in the in the world of feeding their children. It's, you know, a mom doesn't have to have every person around the table for it to be a family dinner. It's about that one on one bond and mm -hmm. relationships are so important to the millennial mom. Great. Thank you, Maria. Well, We're so happy you. to thank finally join us. I'm so happy that I was here. <laughs> we will be right back with topic two, which is digital kids. Be right back. We are happy once again to have Slender Tone as our Parenting Bite sponsor. Do you want firmer, stronger abs? Do you want to tone those hard to reach core muscles? Do you want to take your ab workouts to the next level? Of course you do. Then you need to try Slender Tone Connect Abs, the smart fitness device that does a lot more than just track. It actively tones and tightens your abs. Slender Tone's abdominal toning belt is controlled via an app that creates your personal training plan, tracks your workouts, and sends you customized tips to keep you motivated. Best part of all, you'll have firmer, more toned abs with results in six weeks. Slender Tone Connect uses EMS technology that sends deep pulses that engage your stomach muscles, causing them to flex and contract, just like in regular exercises, giving you a stronger core. Who doesn't want a stronger core? With Slender Tone's money-back guarantee, you can join the 100% of users who reported firmer, more toned abs in just weeks. Visit slendertone.com today and receive 20% off using offer code PARENTING at checkout. Again, use offer code PARENTING for 20% off today. Go to slendertone.com, get yourself one, and then let us know how awesome your abs look. Talking tech, apps, entertainment, and issues around parenting the digital generation. This is Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. So we are back. We are still at Digital Kids live at Toy Fair, New York, which is a crazy toy Frigid fair. Frigid town. <laughs> it's, yes, it's negative 300 degrees outside, and we are happy to be inside. We have topic two. We are with Tonda Bungie Sellers, who is president of Digital Kids, which is... A couple, you have two conferences a year, right? You we have do. West we and do. East Coast. Yes. This is the one tied to Toy Fair. Yes, we consider this more a consumer-based show, whereas we feel that uh, San Francisco is more towards innovation and forward thinking. This so is more what's happening in now. You guys have actually been doing this conference for a long time now. We have. Right? We're in our 10th year of conferences focused on kids and family you know we started in virtual worlds and then went to um and then went to engage and broader and then brought that back down to digital kids five years ago so when you guys started digital kids was not really a thing right no. it was like the dawn of this idea of a digital kid we were in our work house and we were sitting around on the couches and saying engage is just too broad engage is just way too broad what do we do and I said, well, I'll take kids if we do digital kids. And we kind of said, okay. So when I think about kids. the last 10 years, I can think about when my daughters were three. And all there was really for digital kids, quote unquote, was like Club Penguin. 
which I think had just launched. Um, it might, and then um, along came Webkin. So Webkin's a couple years later became like this big thing. But this whole idea of a connected toy in a virtual world was so new. And it was all desktop based, right? We had no mobile. Everything. And now you flash forward 10 years later to what you guys are talking about at this conference. And Every, they've gone through an evolution of like every toy had to have an app and then they kind of pulled back from that and then it became how do we do this smart and then mobile took over in such a huge way with apps and iPads and gaming and gaming yep. and, and just in such a short period of time in one decade you guys have seen this complete not just an evolution of trends with toys and tech but sort of the winning over of this idea of technology being for play I think that the toy industry has gotten smarter, and I think our main focus today has been connected smart play. And what we mean by that is the app-enabled toys like Spiro and folks like that. But I think that children now do not see the boundaries between physical and digital. And I think we've all in an industry realized that they expect smart tech. They don't expect pretend play. They don't, they don't want a pretend iPad. They don't want a pretend <laughs> yeah. remote. They don't want, forgive me, they don't want a leapfrog. They want the iPad or the phone, right. and that's their expectation. And I think the industry has finally woken up and realized that there is indeed content that is worthy of our children and you know parents are paying attention to. That's been, an, it's interesting you mentioned leapfrog because I think for a few years, a couple of years ago, right, it was, everyone was making a kid's tablet, that it had to be special for kids and different for kids. And sometimes that sold, sometimes it didn't. And, you know, kids and then you saw them fall well, off. Parents were much more off. enamored with that than kids were. Parents yeah, well, were enamored with it yeah. in theory. Because, they because didn't it was buy cheaper. It. and they smash right. our iPads. Right. And then they just come out with really good covers. Yeah. Um, but maybe also a couple of generations of iPads passed where you could also just hand down your iPad when yeah. you bought right. a new one. But what have you seen that sort of speaks to that evolution of... You know, you talked about this no boundary between screen and physical play or kids don't perceive it differently, but also this idea of the tech itself, just not having that same delineation. Well, I think the one thing that hasn't been discussed yet, but has been touched on in every session we've had this morning and we're just at the beginning is the retail piece. And I think there's going to be an evolution in that because toys are smarter and more expensive, including the good tech. The real tech, the consumer electronics piece, mm -hmm. as Paul Barbarian spoke about. And uh, he said that Spiro, if you look at it, it's not a toy. It, they're not a toy company. They are an entertainment consumer electronics company. And I thought that was very enlightening in that yeah. I think that the people that are in this room, whether they be people from Lego, you know, Lego talked about we aren't tech we aren't the tech business, but we know that that's where the demand is, and we know we had to get in front of it. So we built in games and the tech side of it. Right. It's interesting how Lego did it because they didn't attach an app to your Legos. Mm -hmm. That's they, right. They went in a whole. That's they right. basically licensed the idea of Lego to create Xbox games, to that's create all right. these games, and be, and build out their entertainment division. That's right. Which is really what we're seeing. You know, we were at Playfair yesterday, and. To me, the overwhelming amount of licensed product um, is incredible. And you talked about Spiro, like the BB-8, 
that's sort of them a game the changer for them. Right. Yes. Yeah. And yet Ollie was around for a couple of years yes. and I loved it. I used it in segments on TV because I thought it was a great, fun entertainment gadget, but it didn't take off didn't at all until, you know, BB-8 came out. Well, I had a conversation last night at our VIP reception about licensing. And as a parent of a four and a five-year-old, I feel that I don't want my children to just have something because it's branded by a certain brand, whether it be a good toy or a bad toy. And I had two uh, phenomenal app developers, Raul uh, Gutierrez of Tiny Bop and uh, Verna from uh, Fox and Sheep. And they were saying that there's good ways to license. And Tokoboka is a perfect example where, you know, they just want ubiquity. That's what they're looking for. They're looking for ubiquity of people knowing that that's Tokoboka. And yes, it's a digital first brand, but it's not digital only. Can you go back for one second to the boundary thing? Because it was so interesting where you said kids don't know the difference between toy and tech or the fact that there's a tech or digital component in a toy. But do parents still think about that? Do they still think that's a tech toy, that's a a, a regular imagination toy? I think very much so. I think Maria, you know, touched on that in the research that if it's a toy that's connected and it costs more money, that it has to it has to average up to a certain understanding that it's going to have STEM component to it or it's going to have a learning component that's beyond play. Beyond a, nor- beyond a regular parent's perception of play because we, from the research we were looking at, does creativity create learning? And it looked like in the research that that didn't translate, which I found very astonishing yeah. and sad, really. But, um, but I get it, too. You know, I'm a parent, again. I want everything to educate my kids. I've just learned now that play educates them. So speaking to that, I think that, yes, I think parents still delineate that line between physical and digital. And I don't think we're there yet in the consumer space to be able to say it's safe, it's comfortable. I think we're getting there. And I think smart, connected play people at Digital Kids are doing it right to where I think they're getting parents to accept that children demand and expect the digital, but I think it may have had to have the physical component in order to get the parents back on board. So we don't have little zombies, you know, staring at screens. Right. I mean, I do think that is the bottom line, though, is that parents still have this guilt when a screen is involved. So the education piece helps alleviate that guilt, but I think most parents in their heart of hearts are a little skeptical that that's actually educational. 100%. I still feel that way. And I think that's true. They're right to be skeptical, you know, yes. and then we saw like the VTAC privacy breach, you know, we've seen right. other things that are now come into play in terms of data and privacy and who's listening to your kid or your family or, or right. Samsung just came out this week and said, yes, don't talk about anything personal in front of our smart TVs, yeah. wow. um, <laughs> which is a crazy thing. Like we always joke that our Xbox connect that like Bill yes. Gates is watching us, yes. but, um, but yes, it turns out yeah. <laughs> totally true. Yeah. So it's interesting because That was the big discussion, I think, about kids and tech a few years ago was about privacy and this idea and people worried about predators. They were worried about cyberbullying. You saw that conversation. That has totally moved off the plate. The media likes it. But I feel like that discussion is not going on in the same way. And I'm actually wondering why, because we are seeing more connected play than ever. We saw Hello Barbie. We saw all these things, yet that doesn't seem to be as dominant a discussion in the industry. We have a session uh, focused on cybersecurity 
but it's not focused on privacy. And I think they're differentiating it now more so than they ever have. And I think the privacy piece is that maybe we're all realizing that we're all just monitored and it just <laughs> is just giving what into it Big is. Brother. We're yeah, giving I, into Big Brother and, I, and, you know. I happen to like it when relevant ads pop up for me. I'm okay giving away that little piece of privacy so that the ads that I see are suited to me. I'm okay with my TV listening to me if it's going to do what I want it to do when I want it to do it. So I, I think But do you want your TV hearing that like you might not be able to pay your tax bill? Well, that, that was that was actually kind of some lazy reporting. There are some other articles explaining that it's not it, that that's not really what was going on and that Samsung kind of backpedaled on that. But I, I even if they were, I mean I I need to know exactly how they're going to use it. But just the fact that they're listening, of course they're listening. They have to listen for when I say, Samsung, do this. You but know? what's interesting is, so this is a little off topic, but you don't know how they're using it because you don't read the terms of service and nobody reads the terms of service. That's and I true. think when we talk about kids' products, that's especially problematic because people aren't reading all the... No, who reads that stuff? But then when somebody does read it, then you get these frantic articles about how your TV is listening right. to you. We did talk to a data... Um, my co-founder and I, Nancy, she, we talked to a data analytics, a guy who does big data for big companies, and he basically told us that this is a generation now who has willingly given up more personal information than any generation in history to Facebook, to public companies that are not the government, that have no good, they don't have to have good intentions. Um, and that's okay. really interesting because I think as we're training our kids to share that information or whether we're the ones setting up the account and now our kids are doing it, it does seem like a lot of this connected toy underneath there is a desire by a lot of companies to gather information gather to sell. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I just wonder like where that's going to go in the light of VTech, in the light of that, if you guys have heard any of that talk in that sort of digital kids space about pushback, you know, from companies or are they just like um, getting a lawyer, you know? <laughs> well, I think there are organizations out there that do support and and help that. And honestly, I would be able to answer that better after our session because they are going <laughs> to, they are, I will have an update. They are actually going to address what you need as a company to pay attention to, which I think is just as important as it was in the privacy mm -hmm. piece three years ago. It's so interesting. But I think that, you know, the one I find fascinating still is Instagram and kids. I can't go there. <laughs> it makes me crazy. <laughs> Well, I mean, and it's just illegal, period. Yeah. You know, it's illegal. You're not supposed there's to be nothing, on it. There's nothing yeah. there except that it's illegal. And how many parents know that? The people no at my school that. does not know that. And yet mm -hmm. I am such a rule follower. Like, if you knew me, I follow rules to the letter most of the time. And I gave she in does. with my 11-year-old. But you didn't Because she, everybody, well, it took a while. It took her like a year of begging because she was the only girl in her class who wasn't on it. So at some point, it's like you're taking away their culture. You know, like wh you what's the point of the either, rule? You have to the, move forward with yeah. them. Yeah. And what's you the do. point of the rule if you're the only one? That's following kind of it. like the new. Can I have a cell phone? You know, because it's forget gone. that. That's like six yeah. years old. Yeah, now. So that's the other. Right. That was the other this debate. The Ten new, years ago, people yeah, were horrified. But when everyone had a cell phone, phone mm -hmm. and your kid didn't, and they were ten, 
what are you going to do? Well, right. Weren't, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but when I went to college, I had a big old box phone. And if I was ever to use it, it had to be an emergency. <laughs> and then I, you know. You couldn't have, you know, wouldn't have it with you in an emergency. It weighed four pounds. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> ironic. I just moved my son this weekend um, to Washington. And, and of course, he's part of my family share plan. And so I, you know, I said goodbye. And I said, just remember, though, I still pay that cell phone bill. So when I call, you answer. <laughs> I don't care That's how right. old you are. I think there's a lady out of Katy, Texas, that actually started she created an app yeah. for parents. I hate that. I hate, <laughs> that. I hate the idea of it. It'll, you can basically brick your kid's phone oh. until they, they get back to you. Oh, my God. Is it called the Jewish you. mom app? It should be called the Jewish mom app. That's what it should be called. I just use the guilt. It's fine. Yeah, guilt works so much. Guilt is old school Jewish mom. Yeah. Well, I th- but I think that the guilt teaches the kids to do better in the future. Much better than just taking control of their technology. Yeah. Well, and I think they're... Yeah. I think... I mean, you could speak to this better than I could, but I went to a session at our elementary school with high school students talking about social media. And those kids were savvy. They're so savvy. I mean, they either, I'm sorry, they either, (laughs) they either were good as kids can be and hid well what they really do, or they really are genuinely responsible, socially responsible and digitally, you know, responsible digital natives. Kids are kids. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of we, we hit a whole lot from our parents, so yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know why we'd expect other exactly. kids to, to do differently. Well, thank you, Tonda. This is really you. insightful. Thank you so oh, thank much you. for joining us. Thank you. It was great to have you. We'll be right back with our bites of the week. We are brought to you this week by Lisa L E E S A, a mattress redesigned. They're available exclusively online and start at just five hundred and twenty-five dollars. Your mattress ships to you compressed in a box directly to your door. Try it now for a 100-night risk-free trial. They ship anywhere in the U.S., and they're 100% American-made. What is a Lisa mattress? It's a 10-inch hybrid foam mattress with three premium foam layers for a universal feel that everybody needs to sleep better. There's a 2-inch Avena foam top layer perforated to keep you cool and provide cushiony bounce a 2-inch memory foam middle layer for body contouring, and a 6-inch dense core support foam for durability and edge support. With Lisa's 110 program, they donate one mattress to a shelter for every 10 they sell. They also plant a tree for every mattress sold, pledging to plant 1 million trees by 2025. So go to lisa.com slash parenting bites for your special offer. That's Lisa. L-E-E-S-A dot com slash parenting bites, parenting B-Y-T-E-S for your special offer and check them out and let us know. You'll get $75 off when you go to that unique URL and order your new Lisa mattress. You're listening to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. Okay, we are back with our bites of the week. Who's ready to go first? Um, I can go first. All right, Amy. You know, it's funny because we just spent all this time talking about um, digital stuff, and yet the things that I'm attracted to are still the, you know, the the, the non-tech stuff. Um, there was a great, um, and now I can't even find the name of it. Um, I'll put the name on, on the Facebook page, but there was a great company that had all sorts of wooden 
toys, like every wooden toy you can imagine. And I know that for me, I'm always attracted to the wooden version of a toy. Like it, when Monopoly comes out with yes, like the old yeah. school stuff, <laughs> that's what I want. Or the Brio. Um, yeah, whatever it is. Like I, I want the old thing. Um, so that's fantastic. Um, and oh, here's the name right here. It's called, um, my glasses, Wood Expressions Inc. Um, so that was great. And then I found another one that I think my daughter, like she could really support them on her own um, <laughs> called Bead Bazaar, which just had so many amazing things to make. Um, yeah, th- that's my daughter's that's like awesome. their target audience. I think I saw audience. them too. Oh, yeah. such, such racks fantastic and racks of beads. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. She would love that stuff so much. So I, th- I think that those two, it's just the hands-on things, yep. stuff. I still like having stuff. Yep. Yeah. All right, Andrew. Well, I'm going to go along that line, if you can believe it, because um, I, I was talking about an article that I read last week, which basically says children aren't learning because they're not playing anymore. They're just forced into preschool, and preschool is the new kindergarten, and we're starting to teach them younger and younger. And we have all these, like I just saw, I think it was over at VTech, this desk, you know, your live and learn desk, and everything teaches you. So you're not just drawing, you right. know? And so here while we were waiting to record digital kids i walked around one floor of uh, toy fair and this was the low-tech floor which for me i never see because i'm always looking at hasbro and mattel and leapfrog and mm-hmm. all the higher tech companies and there were these adorable teenage mutant ninja turtle action figures which of <laughs> course reminded me of my son's childhood and how he used to play for hours with just his imagination yeah. and the cat mm-hmm. and the ninja turtles yeah and I really love seeing that companies are still making toys that will engage kids in play in open-ended, use your own imagination, make it your story play. I love the techie stuff. I really do. And I can't wait to get over to Hasbro and Mattel. But I, I for this week, I think my bite is going to be that I really like the low-tech versions that are going to let younger kids just be kids in play. Cool. Um, my favorite thing was at Mattel. It was called The Thing Maker. It is a mm. 3D printer mm-hmm. for your home that looks like an Easy Bake Oven. High tech. Yeah. <laughs> it High looks tech. like a and big, but it looks so low tech, which is what's so funny about it. It's, it's like $300, right? Like it's, it's, 300 it's a bucks. reasonable price. Um, it's coming out in the fall, but it really does look like a giant Easy Bake Oven, mm-hmm. which I think is the best part of it. Mm-hmm. Can like you make cookies plastic. in it? Yeah, you can make, you can make plastic cookies. cookies. Oh, you <laughs> absolutely can. And it, it's a really simple. It comes with these reels of like the plastic stuff and it snaps right in. They have a bazillion colors. It was cool things. But she said like you could make the small things in 20 minutes. Yeah. Like the rings and stuff. So for a sleepover, for, That's awesome. th- for a bar mitzvah. Because usually for 3D, <laughs> it takes days. So yes. it's nice to be able to do that. Even the big yeah. giant toy was a 10-hour thing. So it was really, I mean, well, I just probably think, not as fine detail as no, the, the big it, look. It's, it's not like version. commercial. Yeah. It's a yeah. kid version, but a good enough kid version. Yes. It's not yeah. a stupid kid it's tablet. funny because last year they had a 3D printed toy that you could draw on the limbs of t- of body parts of toys and put it together which was kind of weird so this sounds (laughs) a little more interesting it was um all right what is that called the The thing thing maker maker, which i think is also a great name i like that they didn't have some weirdo like techie name like thing maker that's what it does make things yeah cool so that is it for today find us on our facebook page facebook.com slash parenting bites where we will have links to all the cool stuff at toy fair and digital kids and maria's research um, on Twitter, hashtag Parenting Bites. On iTunes, of course, Parenting Bites. Subscribe, rate, review. And on Play.it, where you can find us and all the other CBS podcasts. Until next we'll see week. you next Thanks. week. Thanks, ladies.